Well, shit. So um, I was working in Hillcrest for a little bit in a local bar, and uh, I was, I wouldn't say happily in a relationship, but I was in a relationship. And uh, beyond my better judgment, we had recently moved to Little Italy, and um, from any outside perspective, this relationship would have been considered extremely toxic. So I was working as a barback, and say la vie, my uh, partner comes in and is a lovely whiskey mess and is basically showing off and acting a fool in front of not only me and trying to make me jealous or uh, trying to get a reaction out of me, I would say. And, um, you know, I just basically told him, go home. I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to deal with this. I'm over this. Like, you know, it is what it is. He heads home and uh, every once in a while we would get rewarded with like a bottle of liquor or something to take home. And this specific night I got Jaeger and it was, I mean, it's nobody's favorite, but it was, it was alcohol. So, you know, I'm 23 years old and I'm like, yeah, Jaeger. And um, I decided to walk home and I'm walking home and I'm going down Fifth Avenue and then I'm going down Fourth Avenue and I like to walk along the side of uh the of the Babo Park where the jungle gym is and everything along is along those lines are. Um and I'm kind of uh getting to that weepy point where I'm really thinking about if I wanna move on with this relationship or not. Uh, you know, everybody has a struggle of comfortability and, you know, if they wanna push their limits or not, if they wanna um you know, challenge themselves in a sense because, you know, you put so much time and effort, time and effort into something that it, it just is really hard to let go. And so I'm tearing up and I'm like, got my headphones in, I'm looking down at my feet, kind of doing that whole mopey shindig, walking down and, um, somebody's heading towards me. And as everybody does, you know, you just kind of don't mind them. You don't mind them. Um, and then this guy, he throws his hand in front of me. <laughs> and I almost literally smacked the living bejesus out of him. But, you know, I look up and it's he's, he's looking a little raggedy. Um, and his intentions weren't bad in his face. He's just kind of there to say hello. So I pull a headphone out and he's asking me, he's like, what's wrong? Um, what are you doing? Like, why do you look that? Why do you look so sad? You know, uh, what, what, how can I, can I talk to you? Like, tell me what's up. And this is... Only I think twelve o'clock at night, twelve thirty. So it's a little strange for somebody to be trying to pay that much attention to somebody. So he starts walking with me. Totally, U turns his route and follows me. Um, not follows me, walks besides me, and he's just asking me bit by bit by bit. Um, he is an older gentleman, uh, African American, bald head, couple of missing teeth. Um, Kind of had that stench, but it wasn't anything too crazy. He starts telling me more about his life, and it seemed very imaginative. It was um, kind of out there, and I enjoyed hearing it because it was just something that kind of sidetracked me. So I'm not sure if he was telling me to, to divert my attention to a different subject or to, or he really thought that this was his life. Um, he told me he had multiple cars hidden throughout Bubble Park with money stashed in them and that he chose to live this life because he wanted to be under the radar because he didn't want to be 
found and taken advantage of for his taxes. So he decided to live all over San Diego instead. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was it was entertaining for what it was. And so he told me that story and, you know, we shared some giggles and whatnot. And we continue on. At this point, we passed the uh, Balboa Bridge Park into the main section with all the museums. And then we head in inwards towards the loop. And um, I'm from New Jersey. So when I, being from New Jersey, you know, you hear of local rumors and stuff like that, but you don't know it's true. And so, um, you know, I never really thought anything of it. And sexually, I had no interest in it because I was already smelling him. So I just kind of rolled with the punches at this point because I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to be confronted at the door about the situation or find out worst of all that he's not even there, that he doesn't care. So, you know, I was procrastinating, walking with this guy, just getting his life story because you never know when you walk up onto gold. And turns out this dude had a group of friends, a serious group of friends, like a whole homeless camp, but people were using tarps and doing really creative stuff, using their shopping carts, and uh, they laid their blankets out, kind of like a slumber party, and um, laid next to each other and took shifts on staying up so that, you know, somebody was always on lookout uh, just in case, I guess, cops came to or park rangers or anything along those lines. And I got to meet all of them. Um, one called himself the Italian Stallion, and I'm not sure if he made he was making a move on me or not. But <laughs> we all sat at a bench, and I had the bottle of Jaeger in my backpack, and I popped it open. I drank from the cap. They drank from the bottle. <laughs> at first, it seemed like they were interrogating me if I was just a privileged little boy who was running away from his problems. And in a sense, I was, I guess. I mean, looking at their circumstances, I was definitely way more privileged than they were. Um, but when they seen that I, well, one, I guess the Jaeger helped too, you know, when you start um, just hanging around after a while and they were questioning me about like, I don't know. I mean, why why was I upset with the relationship? What had he done? How could I, How did I attempt to make it better? What had I done? You know, really asking therapeutic questions of just not I wouldn't say concern but trying to understand because it's not like they had a show to get to it's not like they were rushing off for their next adventure or anything along those lines they have time and nothing but time to understand somebody so coming in you know it was a good group of people trying to understand somebody who looked displaced it's the common questions, but once it got to the root of it, they were, um, it went from questions to advice. The guy who took me in, he goes, you know, one thing you got to look at is that we're all sitting here because we choose to be here. You get to choose your life and you get to choose what happens to you in it. Not everything's going to happen because you chose it, but you get to choose what you can do about it. So stop sulking and start doing something about it and choose your happiness and people have said choose your happiness before but they never put it in that perspective for me so it was a little bit different and um i mean the relationship didn't work out but it made it go for a little bit longer so i guess i mean i learned something about relationships that day regarding 
people you making them with people you don't know and the one that you have with people you do know and how they can flip real easy how somebody you know can turn into somebody you don't know versus people who you don't know at all can be your best friend for a night by all means the the story wasn't sexual the fruit loop but it was definitely educational for me i have friends who have gone there for sexual purposes and I think if someone makes you feel special in that certain manner, um, it's making you feel seen. You don't feel invisible at that time. In everybody's own thoughts, I guess, in a way that everybody's invisible and it's a place to be seen. It's not a place that most <laughs> most commonly now people want to be associated with and be seen. But as far as it goes going back in the day, Finding somebody for hookup status back in, you know, early 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, everybody was on the same ground. Um, I mean, but that was equal opportunity right there. <laughs> because I think that you all went to the bars. So I think that they really, really allowed people to get the gist of who you were meeting in front of you. Um, a lot of people to loosen up and be themselves. When you're using Grindr, Jack, Scruff, anything along those lines, your confidence is constantly shot down because the people you want to have are not exactly the people who want you either. Because there's a racial minority that happens within, especially me, I am a half black, half white, you know, little exotic feature. And that goes over well with some people, and it goes over worse with others. I've learned that I don't really want that in my life. <laughs> that negativity is not needed. <laughs> so um, I try to avoid grinding all those things. Sometimes I'll pop up and check on whatever if I'm in, like, a really interesting situation. You know, you're like, I just want to say it. <laughs> and people pop up. never know. But <laughs> I... I'm probably going to get some stuff for this. But growing up as a kid, um, there was a lot of, you know, movies to look into, I would say. And a lot of them had, you know, princesses and princes and, you know, sultry suitors and things along those lines and damsels in distress. And there was one movie, one movie that I got really interested in. And that was obviously Peter Pan. Beyond Alice in Wonderland and all the drugs that they were taking. But I really liked Peter Pan. And um, it was a whole city of lost boys. And, you know, they got to play all day and have fun all night. And it was just a real good experience. Wanted to be a lost boy until I lived in, you know, the gay community so, so much. I think that a lot of people get wrapped up in the lifestyle of Hillcrest and or the gay community. And it has impacted them in a sense that they're never going to leave Neverland uh, because they're so afraid of what is going to happen to them outside or getting outside of their comfort zone. Having fun took its toll. It did. And it was extremely unfortunate. We lost a lot of lives, um, but it also gave us grounds to stand on besides being neglected. Um, it allowed other people to start caring. It allowed other people to start doing things. 
um, it allowed us to have two feet to to march on. And then after that, I think that given those circumstances and the deaths, it became even a little bit harder to go out into the community because beyond the fact that people already thought we were mentally ill, they began thinking that we were diseased, plague-ridden people as well. So it locked these people, these little lost boys in a Neverland, to grow old and just do the same thing on a repetitive standpoint. You know, we're still addicted to that pixie dust and the flamboyance of flying around and having fairy wings and whatnot. I don't think that many people, given circumstances of the past, are prepared for the future and know what they want to do because it's scary. It's extremely scary given our history. But we've gained some mighty foes and, you know, some big friends too. And we've come a long way. And I think hopefully in the future that there will be a better understanding of acceptance on the outward boundaries of the world that people really start to understand that, you know, you don't have to be confined anymore.